Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about sort of midlife. I don't I don't know why it sprung up. I think somebody referred to me as middle aged the other day and that it suddenly stings, made me it? made me reflect on what was going wrong with my life. <laughs> So Heather, you saw an article uh, that you wa- you wanted to talk about, mm. and it's it's led us on to thinking of a number of other things around that area. So, what was the article you found? Well, it was in the Independent on the twenty first of March, and it was talking about the aging working population. And there's some really interesting statistics that sort of got me thinking. They say that the number of people retiring after the age of 70 has doubled since 2010, and of course, with the rising. Uh, retirement age and, and state pension, state pension in inverted commas there, um, it, it's, it's going to get worse. Now, this article is largely about the financial impact of that and how, um, you know, people have, have got to fund, uh, have feel that they, work, they have to work longer to fund their retirement, so that there's a double whammy there. Um, research shows that among employees under 30, um, who are probably retiring in the 2040s and the 2050s, 44% expect to be working into their 70s, compared with 20% of those over 50 and 29% of those in their 40s. Uh, and the impact of the ageing workforce, and I think this is the thing that gets really interesting, on other aspects of employees' lives is considerable, with those expecting to work longer feeling more stressed, less healthy, and this is the key, less engaged with their jobs. And that's sort of what's led us into to today's topical discussion is that whole, if you're working longer, then your career is longer. And in a, in a, in a time when people have multiple careers, sometimes it's useful to, to sit and reflect at where you are, what you've done and what might come next. Because the thought for many people of sitting doing the same job for 30 years from 40 to 70 it's it's just not going to happen uh and you have picked up on some um sort of not midlife crisis reviews but uh, what are we calling it officially we're calling it a midlife, midlife career, career reviews review. yes so, so this came about um as a result of a discussion i had with a, a friend and colleague and uh, i was talking about the the fact that um the age of employees in, in one of the places that I work it is skewed towards the over 50s and so I was looking at bringing in apprentices try and fill that potential skills gap that's heading our way and, and my colleague pointed out that equally so I we need to not just assume that the over 50s are just going to coast into retirement and I think that's a, a popular misconception mm. that people do I mean there will be a, a percentage of people that might be happy to just coast into retirement. It would be nice to have the choice. Yeah and and she said that um, something that um, research had been done about um, a couple of years ago was a midlife career review and and that's actually the employers who are facing a skills gap actually engage with their older workers, recognising the skills and the experience, the networks and the knowledge that they've got, and also recognising that older people may want to work longer for other reasons than just financial, the the status, there's the identity, it, social, you know, you know, actually the idea of for some people of retiring and not having the social connections they have with work would be really difficult. So the idea of a, a midlife career review 
Now, you can have this everywhere. So I was looking at this from an employer's point of view, but you can do it for people who are unemployed or people who are self-employed. It's absolutely the same. But it's looking at and understanding the needs, the interests and the aspiration of your older workers and helping them to retain their engagement and productivity. And also really key is making the most of their talent. And actually, I started to, to get into this discussion with my colleague, as I said, it was actually how can I bridge the gap between the older workers and the, the new workers I'm bringing on as the apprentices? And to use the skills, the experience of the older workers to perhaps mentor the apprentices. So I, I went down that route. But I was interested to find that there's quite a lot of research that's been done on it and there's a number of resources available as well. So um, the business in the community, um, BITC, um, they, they've got a midlife career review toolkit that's available. We will put the link on the website. I notice you've printed out a hard copy there as well, it, Heather. Yeah, it's really good. Do you it? know, it's really thought provoking. Even if you, even if you're not, if you're employing people, it's a valuable way of thinking. But if you are that person who's um, in their midlife career. Uh, review it's a really useful document and it's not just about trying to find out when they're going to retire and and making plans Mm. around that That, that's one issue but the way I read it was it's prompting the employee to consider that as well to consider actually what do they want to to do you know do they have plans to retire and I think one of the ideas is not to use this as um, as a way to you know plan around their retirement or get rid of them or to try and hold on to them but actually to to look at the implications for working longer as well you know is it going to suit their lifestyle is it going to suit their health and their aspirations over the coming decades another resource that I found was the age act Action Alliance. I said the website is ageactionalliance.org and there's an employer toolkit there and that's uh, guidance for managers of older workers. And there's also on the um, the government website, gov.uk, there is a workplace wellbeing tool to help employers to work out the costs of poor employee health to their organisation. So if you're looking for a business case for actually putting something like this into practice, you can use this tool to calculate the cost of employee ill health or absence from work or staff turnover. And then you can use that to support any initiatives for health and well-being. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's real food for thought. And I think that the resources that are out there work really well for the employee and the employer. And, you know, we have to remember that if somebody has been within an organisation for a period of time or in a particular industry sector, their knowledge is hugely valuable. And it might not be possible to retain that knowledge on a full time basis, but you could maybe do a phased exit where people stay within the business. So you keep that knowledge within the business for a shorter, uh, a shorter working week. Now, um, the part of the show where we talk about events and news in the world of business. And we've got an interview here, which uh, Heather pre-recorded with Kath Harrison from JVP Group, which is both news and an event. Okay, so Kath, thank you for joining us today. Uh, You are the MD of JVP Group, is that right? That's right, yes. We're based over in Bodlewithen in North Wales. Okay, so you've come a fair way to to join us today. JVP, is is it your business? Did you set it up? It is. So I I set the company up four years ago, and there are now a team of nine of us based over in Bodlewithen, and we support employees across the whole of the UK. 
uh, with their recruitment market, marketing and time-saving support. So everything evolves um, around the recruitment process with regards to what we do. So, so yes, it's, it's great to be in North Wales. It's a wonderful place to, to live and work. And um, it's something we're very passionate about, actually, because we, um, we've recently just launched Jobs in North Wales as a careers website um, as well. So, um, so no, it's great to be here over in Wrexham and uh, to keep things local. Um, but, yes, we do work with employees across the whole of the UK. So you do you have a database of people who are looking for work or do you go and headhunt people? We do neither, actually, because we're, we're not a recruitment agency. We take a very different approach to supporting employers with their in-house recruitment. So it's very much um, around using the power of employer brands, identifying them, and using the, the employer brand as a way to help attract the best talent out there. So we get involved with the writing of employer-branded job adverts, mm-hmm. um, promoting them online, because given there's over 90% of people nowadays search online, which I'm sure is not a surprise to, to many, um, but there's over 1,100 job boards in the UK. So trying to decide which sites to advertise on um, obviously can be a bit of a minefield for job for employers, but also for job seekers as well in terms of you know where do they start with the search. So that's where we, we bring things together and make sure that employers get the right reach that they need um, and keep it very relevant. So you're effectively a recruitment marketing company because you're guiding the employers to make the best of the offering that they've got to attract the right people. Absolutely. So the big part of what we do is around talent attraction. So I'd say writing the adverts and promoting them on the job sites, but also social media too, because uh, visuals are very important, of course, with social media. And it can be a really good tool to attract passive job seekers as well as proactive ones. So we run really comprehensive social media campaigns on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter, uh, using the visuals, using intriguing posts to help the employers to pick up those passive job seekers as well as those practically looking so very much that's all around talent attraction but we also have a big part to play supporting in-house recruitment with regards to the assessment of applicants and helping with the script the selection process as well as actually the time-saving management uh, applicant management support services too so it's really actually quite exciting and we love Mm. being involved in the whole process but absolutely one of the, the big things that employers are looking at moving forward is the talent attraction side and and trying to keep um, on top, really, the, the changes of, of um, obviously the ways that they can then reach out to people. Because once upon a time, if you needed to fill a post, you'd put it in the paper, you'd put it in the job centre. People would write in through snail mail with their CV and their covering letter, and and, and that, and then you'd get a letter back. You know, it was, and it took months and months and months. Where it must be fairly speedy now and fairly instant if you put a job up on a job board. People are going to be applying almost straight away, aren't they? Definitely. And I started out my career in recruitment about 17 years ago, and everything back then was newspapers, Mm. um, possibly job centres, and that's how, you know, as employers, we attracted people. Mm. Um, But as I say, 90% of people now are online, and it can make the process very, you know, quick, and with technology, it can make it very efficient to recruit people. And it's fantastic, obviously, from a job seeker point of view, because they can... Um, they can engage with employers um, directly and very quickly, obviously using those tools. Um, but of course, the online world of recruitment is evolving itself very, very quickly. Um, at our upcoming seminar, um, we're going to be talking about Google Jobs um, because that's one of the big um, changes um, to the recruitment landscape on the horizon, and it's going to be coming very soon. Um, and also, we, we're finding employers are really looking at their employer brand and the candidate journey. Uh, the candidate journey seems quite important. This year, how we're 
engaging with job seekers, you know, all touch points from them seeing the advert to the communication throughout the process, um, you know, through to the kind of onboarding process, or even those that obviously, um, you know, do, aren't successful, making sure that they protect their employer brand by communicating in the right way and treating people fairly as they would expect to be treated. So. We'll talk about the event um, in a moment, mm. and there's a couple of events actually that we want to promote. But but just to pick up upon something that you've mentioned there that we that we we've touched on occasionally on, on the show, is the the idea that obviously if you attract people and they go through that process, they can then if they have a good experience they can talk about it in the virtual world on social media. If they have a bad experience in the olden days, you just didn't get a letter back, and in the pub you might say. I didn't even get a letter back from XYZ company, whereas now you can be all over social media trashing this organisation just because you didn't get a letter back. So it's even more important to get it right, isn't it? Of course it is. And it's not just for recruitment, of course. I mean, you look at TripAdvisor with mm. regards to the hospitality industry, mm. and it can be a wonderful tool um, to promote our businesses and to, to show off opportunities. Um, but of course, you know, it's got to be managed well at the same time. And even with regards to a job advert going out on social media, if it's not written in the right way, if the images used don't represent the brand in the right way, they can actually have a negative effect. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, making sure we're managing our social media pages, um, keeping on top of them, because if people do make comments on there, it's being able to respond to them quickly before damage can be done. Um, and, And really, you know, looking at social media as an extension of, say, your website. So keeping it up to date as well, because otherwise that can reflect um, the the organisation as a whole, really, in terms of, you know, if you're not putting posts on there and unless it's every six months um, or you don't respond to people's comments, that can say a lot about you as, yep. as an employer as well. So. Yeah. OK, all really valuable and sound advice. And, you know, it is a very much a changing world, as we're seeing. But... The main reason you're here today is to talk about these upcoming events. So tell me a bit about, you've got a breakfast seminar taking place and you're running it twice, aren't you? So tell me a bit about the events. That's right. So over the last few years, we've partnered up with um, other organisations, as we are doing in this in this case. Um, and on this occasion, it will be with um, Justine from Hilly McEwen and David Roberts from um, the Alternative Board in Wrexham. And we were really looking to bring together HR professionals and business owners um, that are really keen to see what's happening um, with with HR and recruitment in terms of future developments and and these seminars will touch upon the the key um, areas that are of of concern to people at the moment or developments that are happening so whether that be of course we're aware of the the imminent sort of GDPR changes Brexit um, Google Jobs is going to be featuring in the seminar because that's something that's quite a key talking point at the moment for many people Um, and of course the, the, the ongoing what can we do in terms of the employer brand candidate journey to really help to attract the best people out there so these seminars will very much be an interact interactive sessions um, where we will be bringing in other people's experiences um, as professionals we'll be sharing our um, our tips and our, our advice and to be able to support any key challenges that people are having so these are going to be breakfast seminars mm-hmm. um, so we welcome people along to to join us for, for uh, an early morning coffee and some breakfast and um, to engage in the seminars and the also be a Q&A session um, with the panel as well to be able to answer any specific questions that people may have. Okay, so the first one is in Wrexham on the 15th of May. That's right, so that's on Wrexham Technology Park 
and then the following week, uh, well, on the 23rd of May, we'll be in Chester City Centre at the Hillier McEwen offices there. And these events are aimed at people who work in the world of HR? That's correct. People who impl- manage people and recruit people? Absolutely. And people who run businesses? Absolutely. So if you have any involvement at all with regards to um, members of staff within your organisation, um, you know, it's, it'd be a great event to be able to come in and talk to other professionals that may be in a similar situation and to gain some tips off um, professionals that support employers um, with these types of um, issues that they may have. Fantastic, Kath. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Details of this event will be on our uh, website, thebusiness.community, so check out there for times and locations, etc. Thank you, Kath. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Another event that you might be interested in is Boost Your Business. It's on Monday the 25th of June, 8.30am to 12pm at the Catherine Finch Centre at Glindo University. There will be presentations starting at 9am and finishing at 12. And you'll have presenters from businesses in the area talking about how to look after your own needs and the needs of your staff. There'll also be a chance for questions from the panel of presenters. The agenda is... Along the lines of 8.30, arrive and networking. Nine o'clock, a welcome from the Vice-Chancellor of the University. Then at five past nine, a little introduction from NatWest, who are the hosts of Boost Your Business. 9.15, Chrissy Small is talking about getting the right employee. 9.35, Manuela Surgeon is talking about dealing with stress in the workplace. At 10.30, NatWest are talking about mentoring and what's the duty of employers to minimise risk and at 11.05 Rachel Clacker is talking about her um, We Mind the Gap and Rachel Clacker is from Moneypenny, I think she's been mentioned a few times on the show recently and um, 11.50 to the close at 12 there is a Q&A session, it's a free event and details can be found on Eventbrite and also we'll put a link to it on our website thebusiness.community Sticking with our HR theme that seems to be running through today's show, I've got um, quite a hardcore event here. It's over in Derby, but I thought it looked really interesting. It's on the 1st of May. It's a paid event. It's £149 plus fat. And it's a day of training around HR headaches. Uh, And the title is HR Headaches, Prison, Drugs, Office Romances and Facebook. So all of those gremlins, all of those things that, that... can cause problems within the workplace. It's organised by Lotes Business Solutions uh, and it takes place at, uh, as I say, in Derby. Details of this and all other events will, of course, be on our website, thebusiness.community. Again, sticking with the HR theme, it's the part of the show where we review uh, publications, uh, apps, all sorts of things. And today we're looking at, uh, well, I'm looking at Personnel Today and Management Today, which are two very well-known HR publications that are available. They are a huge resource. That's the most important thing. Yes, they have topical um, articles. Yes, they talk about what's going on in the news. But for me, the most important thing is that they have uh, articles, they have... um, all, all sorts of stuff that is relating to specific things that happen within the world of HR. So we went online, I think we both went online and had a look at the websites just to see what our thoughts were. Uh, 
personnel today is free. It's a free resource. Um, and I picked up on the fact that they're actually doing uh, the personnel today awards. And whilst you might not be in the market for entering an award, I think that the titles of the awards demonstrate very clearly the types of things that matter to employees and to the world of HR. For example, they've got an, an award about diversity and inclusion. They've got an award about employee engagement. Uh, they've got a health and well-being award. They've got a managing change award, talent management. So these are the types of things that if you are involved with HR, these are the types of things that you need to be thinking about. There's a whole raft of, as I say, articles, there's legislation, they have regular webinars and HR events. So really, really useful. I thought Personnel Today was great. What did you think, Tracy? I, on your recommendation, I've been getting these newsletters for a little while. And I, I find them not only a great source of information for this show, mm. thank you very much, um, because there's always a, a little topic you can click on. And if it's not necessarily that that we're going to talk about, it can lead us down into looking in that sort of area. But I find it really useful for work. I went through um, a phase a few months ago of unsubscribing to a load of newsletters. And then I've started resubscribing because because of my interests have changed, I guess. And those HR ones were the first ones that I resubscribed to, having taken on a, a HR responsibility at work. So, yeah, I found them really, really useful. And because they're, they're sort of topical and timely, they're really relevant to what I'm doing. So I found a lot of stuff on GDPR mm -hmm. that's been really useful and, and things that are actually relevant to the work I'm doing. I think the website's really easy to navigate. And what I like, because I've got the attention span of a gnat, is I like that, the, oh, what's that? And you can, you can read, you can read, you know, headline, little bit of text. And it's like, do I want to read more? How far do I want to drill down into this? Or is it just a passing knowledge? So do you actively go to the website or do you follow a link from an email you get? I, I, so I kind of do both. So I get the email uh, and that's great because, of course, they're, bring, they're sending you the latest updates, yeah. latest things. But sometimes I go, particularly if I want to sort of um, focus on a particular thing, maybe if I'm going to see a client and I want to make sure that I'm up to speed with latest thinking in a particular area, then I'll go and see what I can find on that. And it just just supports and underpins what I'm going to be saying to the client. So it's really useful in that in that regard because the work that I do is, of course, people-centric. So it, it, it helps to make me look a bit better uh, yeah. when I'm sat in front of the client, I think. I oh, hope. good. So a useful resource then. <laughs> Very much so. So I tend to be led by what I get in my inbox and then I'll go and follow that. But yes, it, it invariably leads me to the website. And then, as you say, when you look there and it might, you might see other articles or this article is related to that article. Um, so highly recommended. Mm. Are there any other newsletters that you sign up for? Well, I also um, look at Management Today, although I don't have a paid subscription for that, although I don't really know why, because it's only £16.75 a quarter. Uh, but, but again, they go, so this is managementtoday.co.uk. So they have articles around, you know, leadership, reputation, women in business, pretty much anything that you might um, consider. But those are the sort of broad headings. 
again, it leads you to some really useful information. And then the other one, finally, is the hrdirector.com. You can have a print version or you can just have digital. And uh, again, I'm not, I don't subscribe to that. But again, I don't know why I don't really, uh, because you just get that extra, that extra level of um, content. Uh, and they have a, they do a, a bronze, silver and platinum. But the digital, 12 issues, £40 per annum. Uh, for a digital magazine, I think is they're all well worth it. I've got a couple to mention. So uh, another one of my responsibilities is uh, IT, IS. And so I, I signed up um, for Computer Weekly so that they get the newsletter and then I follow it normally through to the blog and then you can download papers and there's webinars. You give them your details, of course, um, mm. but in exchange for what I've found so far is some really valuable white papers. Um, Tech Target also were in, in my newsletter and Techopedia I particularly like. Uh, and it gives you a term of the day. So oh. a technical term and then you, it, it sort of explains what it is and also gives you... Um, uh, sort of a layman's version of it. So, um, for example, let me find uh, one of the more recent ones. Um, Techopedia, term of the day, cryptography. Okay. So it tells you what it means. Um, so cryptography involves creating written or generated codes that allow information to be kept secret, and there's quite a bit more. And then it goes on to explain in more detail. So Techopedia then explains and... Uh, I don't always read it, but every so often there'll be a word on there that you go, oh, I want to I look at that. For example, public key cryptography or encryption, which is really important at the mm -hmm. moment in terms of GDPR and cybersecurity. And another generalist newsletter that I would mention is Business Insider. Now, there's a UK version, so it's a, um, it's a global publication with, with different countries. So you go to the UK version and there's a, a link on there to register for different types of newsletter from Business Insider. So whether you're interested in tech or marketing or HR, and um, I subscribe to a number of those. Again, sometimes you'll breeze through it and you, you not want to read anything that's on there. And other times it, there's just something that just hits the spot. So we'll put the link for all of these things that we've mentioned on our website, which is thebusiness.community. This is the part of the show where we talk about a business guru or a business leader. And this week we've chosen a gentleman who's known for his HR studies and his um, writing. His name is Dave Ulrich and he is the professor at the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan, a partner of the RBL Group which is a consulting firm focused on helping organisation and leaders to deliver values. And he's talked about um, HR practices, HR competencies, uh, leadership, speed, learning, accountability and talent through leveraging human resources. He's published over 200 articles and book chapters and over 25 books. He's edited human resource management. He's served on editorial boards of four journals and board of directors for Herman Miller and the board of trustees for the Southern Virginia University and as a fellow of the National Academy of Human Resources, which is an American organisation. Wow. OK, he's a guy I had never heard of. And as always, I'm grateful to the research we have to do for this show for introducing me to new and interesting people. He's ranked as the number one management guru by Business Week. 
um, profiled by the Fast Company as one of the world's top 10 creative people in business, a top five coach in Forbes and recognised on Thinkers 50, which we've talked about before mm. on the show several times, as one of the world's leading business thinkers. Heather, have you ever read any of his books before no, this? No, he was a new one on me and um, and his name is pronounced Ulrich, not Ulrich. I thought it was Ulrich, but yes, you're absolutely right. It's Ulrich. Uh, he... from from researching him it looks like if you cut him in half it would say hr right the way through his middle that is his thing (laughs) he is a hr guru and one of the things that he believes he, he he wrote a model that called the strategic partner model now hr or personnel as it used to be called you might be forgiven for thinking that it is just about looking after the people within an organization but he Uh, His theory suggests very much that they have a direct impact on the profitability of an organisation. Now, he talks about, through his strategic partner model, he says that uh, HR managers, HR professionals, they help the business to implement their strategy. They improve efficiency by re-engineering the HR function and other work processes. So they're constantly looking at how things are done because they're having to manage the resource that's available. They maximise employee commitment and competence by looking at their uh, ability and responsiveness to change and their training need. And they deliver organisational transformation and culture change. So it's so much more than just payroll, P45, (laughs) uh, sickness and absence. They are embedded in the organisation. And and his most recent theory, which was written um, with a guy called Alan Freed, in 2015, I think that's the most recent piece of, uh, of prose that I could find that he'd written. And he says that, uh, he says, in recent years, investors have learned that defining the market value of a firm cannot just be based on finances. To gain more insights into a specific firm, investors have shown more interest in intangibles like strategy, brand, innovation, systems in- integration, collaboration, and so on. And he says that the next step for investors is to analyse the predictors and drivers of these intangible factors, which means focusing on leadership. And he says that we need a leadership capital index, similar to a financial confidence index, um, which would move beyond casual and piecemeal observations of leaders to more thorough assessment of leadership. And I really think he's onto something because uh, there's a a phrase that... uh, that pays in my world and that is people don't leave a job they leave a manager and the role of HR is to make sure that the management within an organization and the leadership within an organization is congruent with the mission of the business the ethos and then clearly fits with stakeholder expectation so I thought that was really really interesting you, I think you've you found some additional stuff, Tracy. I've um, watched a couple of YouTube videos and I couldn't find him on TED I, I, I no, that's he doesn't appear to be on a mistake Ted. Yes. there on, on behalf of yeah. Ted. Uh, but there were a couple of good videos there on YouTube. The first one I watched was called Defining the Leadership Code. So um, moving on from what you said, he asked the question, what makes an effective leader? And what he did here was him and his team of researchers went out and asked a lot of leadership experts, what makes an effective leader? And they came down to these four points. Strategist 
executor, not as in executing the staff, (laughs) but somebody who does stuff, takes action, a talent manager and human capital developer. And he explains all of those. And he says that most leaders will have a natural predisposition towards one of these which, which I, I think is, is pretty fair. Um, but there is a core factor that every leader has to master that sits in the middle of all these, and that's personal proficiency, i.e. insights about yourself, integrity, emotional intelligence. So y- you need a, a, a sprinkling of at least, uh, at least a sprinkling of each of those four. You can have a predisposition towards one of them, strategist, executor, talent manager, or human capital developer, but you need the personal proficiency at the heart of it to be an effective leader. And there was a Leadership Code self-assessment tool on the website called leadershipcodebook.com. And this is a, a resource resource to support the book, The Leadership Code. I also watched a video called The Future of HR, and the question asked there was, does HR add value? And I, again, I think this um, carries on from what you were saying about being aware of the outside world and the stakeholders. And he, he says that it's really important that HR not just looks at what they do for the people inside the business, but be aware of the context of HR. So essentially, he, he said, you need to do a pest analysis, you know, political, environmental, social, technological, uh, economic, and look at the stakeholders. And it, working through all of that, you become the strategic partner, as you mentioned. He said a really good analogy, and I'm, I'm really rubbish at paraphrasing things, as you may have learned over the, <laughs> over the months, over the years you've known me. But I, I, I recall he was talking about um, how an HR um, person can get involved in strategy they they come on board as a strategic partner you get invited along to the first strategic meeting and they talk about um, opening a facility in India so he's he was based in America so talking about um, creating a facility in India they said and the HR manager didn't say anything because that was not really his area of expertise and then the next meeting where they start talking about the products that they can do and everything they can make in in India and the HR manager doesn't say anything because it's not his area of expertise. The third one, they start to talk about all the logistics and, and how they're going to transport and um, imports and exports. And the HR manager doesn't speak because that's not his area of expertise. Fourth strategic meeting, HR manager is not invited. <laughs> <laughs> and the point he makes is at every step of the way, the HR manager has a, an input Invest, there. You, you can talk about, you know, how we, have we got the, the skills to open in India? How are we going to manage that transition? How do we work with the culture in India? And, and take that much broader sense. And I thought that little thing that I've probably really murdered with my explanation, he explains it so much better in his videos. It actually sums up to me what, what it means and how you can add strategic value in HR. And HR is seen as an overhead. It is a non-fee generating part of the business. And yet, it, it, if you get it wrong, it has the power to completely wipe out the bottom line. So, um, big lesson. I mean, he's an interesting... Well, I say interesting. He knows his stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and there are some interesting articles around. Uh, in terms of him as, as a man, 
very difficult to find anything out about him that, you know, I'm interested in the person, uh, but he's he's clearly a HR guru. Yeah. He comes across as a very credible academic and consultant. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Ulrich, the man, I've not got a clue, no. so I can't comment. No, but, he's uh, not a PR machine, that's for <laughs> sure. So um, his website is actually daveulrich.com if you want to go and have a look at his um uh, resume is on there. Uh, resume, I've, I've turned oh, into <laughs> American. Very American, yes. Uh, but we'll finish the show with the quotes that we've chosen from our guru of the week. So I'll, I'll go first, Heather, if mm. that's okay. HR professionals play three roles. Storyteller, strategy interpreter, strategic facilitator. And that's cut from his box. HR from the outside in, six competencies for the future of human resources. And I have uh, a quote, when leaders behave consistently with the expectations of customers, they're doing things inside their organisation that deliver value outside. So that's all we've got time for this week. We do hope you'll join us again next week for The Business Community on Callan FM. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. <laughs>